Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of the Fun With Cars Formula One podcast for coverage of, well, <laughs> several Grand Prix. I'm Rob Warner, and I am the only one here. Five months have gone by without a new episode, so I suppose it surprises no one that a lot has changed between then and now. And so what I'm going to do to start off is actually give a bit of an explanation of why that's the case, what the show is going to be going forward, and how it's going to work. I feel cautiously optimistic that it's going to be quite good and that the show can continue to uh, live and in fact thrive. And I'm excited to continue to put work into it. And I hope that uh, you, the ever patient, amazingly wonderful fans, will continue to enjoy the show. So I actually have, I wrote down a list of things to talk about and I put them in order of importance. So what you're going to hear is what I think are the most important things to tell you. To get started, Jim Lau, as is probably pretty clear, is taking a sabbatical from co-hosting the show. The fact of the matter is, is just life has gotten in the way. You know, he's got two young kids now, Olive and Nico, and they're both wonderful, adorable children, but they're also both young and take a lot of work and energy. So, uh, Two, compared to one, has definitely increased Jim's workload in his personal life. And then there's his professional life. He's been doing quite well, and he's been busy doing quite well. So those two things have combined to just take up so much more of his time than what was true when, especially when Jim and I started this, when we were in our 20s. Um, Jim and I started this in our mid-20s, and... Neither of us were married. Neither of us were even engaged when we started. You know, a lot's changed since then. We're, you know, we're approaching the 10-year mark here. In fact, we may have passed it. Uh, I'll have to ask Jim that off uh, off mic and uh, have him give me catch up on that. So I'm sure you guys can understand that as life has grown and developed, you know, balancing everything has become more difficult and uh, it's just... It's gotten to the point that Jim would rather uh, continue to help, but more in the background and not be co-host. He's still very supportive of uh, me continuing on with the podcast. He wants it to continue. And we certainly, neither of us, uh, certainly not me and not Jim either, has ruled out on occasion him still coming on the show. Don't think that you'll never hear from Jim again, but you will no longer hear from Jim every episode as you did in the past. But that leads to what I think is great news. Uh, the fantastic motorsports photographer and good friend, Jamie Price, is happy to take on a larger role with the podcast. So he will, in addition to giving his audio clips when he's available and able to at Grand Prix that he's shooting, He's going to join me as co-host to talk about races that have happened and what's going on and his opinions about how things are going. I'm, he and I actually sat down and spoke uh, a couple of days ago, and that is going to be a part of this episode. You're going to hear that in just a few minutes. And I will tell you right now that 
he's more excited about 2017 than he has been about Formula One in a while. He's going to be an engaged, interesting co-host to listen to. And of course, he has a a firsthand experience of the sport. So it's going to be exciting to listen to him. In addition to that, uh, I might soon have cautiously optimistic that this will work out a uh, another co-host to join he's someone i met while i worked at hyundai which more on that in a second he's a massive formula one fan he's an engineer and he's quite knowledgeable about the sport he's well read on it and strong opinions (laughs) so He's uh, someone that I hope in the very near future is going to join me on the mic and he's going to have a go at this and we'll see if he likes it. And if so, um, he will be uh, on the show on a much more regular basis so that we will continue to have that two people talking to each other, conversational banter, which is kind of quite important for the show uh, as Jim and I have proven over the years when we try to host it on our own here and there. But yeah, quite excited for that. Um, more on that as uh, things come together. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to promise anything until I know it for sure. But uh, I met this guy at Hyundai. I no longer work at Hyundai. I uh, left that job at the end of April and accepted a new role. Started the first of May at a magazine called Auto Week, which is a Detroit-based magazine with a rich, rich history. And it's really just a fantastic fit for me because it's an automotive magazine and a motorsports magazine. It's the only major magazine that still covers both automotive and motorsport, which are indeed my two loves, professional loves. And so it's just such a great, great fit for me. I'm taking the role. My title is editorial manager and I'm basically just going to help keep the ship steered in the right direction and uh, you know use some of my engineering organizational skills to try to keep the machine as well oiled as possible and I will definitely uh, write and be a part of the magazine in a lot of different ways in fact I already have a couple articles written on autoweek.com And I will throw links up to those in the show notes so that uh, you guys can hear about that. In addition to that, one of the things that AutoWeek is doing is putting together a podcast. It's got just a real great setup, I think. And I'm going to be a part of that. It's quite exciting to have a publication wanting to put together a podcast because there's some energy and some structure behind that that really helps jumpstart uh a, you know a new media like that and so i will be a part of that podcast i will definitely share that with you guys as well as uh episodes come up and my involvement increases and all that so and that was also part of the reason why it took so long to get this podcast up and running i with this new job coming as you can imagine my first day was may 1st but this this the talks about this job actually started in the end of February. So I had to become more cautious with exactly how I pursued fun with cars because we wanted to make sure that there were no conflicts of interest and you know no one's was being rubbed the wrong way. 
So that was part of the delay. But now I've gotten the official go-ahead, official clear from this. And so uh, all is well and we can continue on. So, yeah, it's actually, if you think about it and you listen to all the things I just said over the last few minutes, a lot of really good things happened towards the end of 2016 and into the first part of 2017. Jim has two wonderful, healthy children. He's busy because he's very successful at his work. Um, Harrison is nine and a half months old now. He's doing really well. You know, there's been, uh, I've posted a couple of pictures of Harrison on the Facebook page for Fun With Cars. And in fact, <laughs> in just a few moments, you're going to hear Jamie and I speak and you'll hear Harrison as well because <laughs> Harrison um, was with me while I was recording with Jamie. So that's coming up in a very few moments. You're going to have to please be patient with me. I'm still working out um, audio quality bugs. Um, Jim was more adept at the production side of the show and a little bit sharper when it came to those things. But I uh, will keep calm and carry on and will slowly but surely figure out ways to get the production quality up to reasonable standards. With that, I'd like to jump into my conversation with Jamie that we had about the first five Formula One races. It's going to be a great season. It's been a great season. We have real competition again. Let's talk about it. Jamie. Hi, Robin. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm well. I'm well. This is kind of a monumentous occasion in the sense that um, we're talking and you haven't just come back from a Grand Prix. You watched it like a normal person, just like we did. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I miss, I miss that. I do miss uh, waking up at an absurd hour of the morning and watching these races. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny how there's nostalgia for almost anything, isn't it? Yep. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, so, as I just explained to everybody, uh, this is the first podcast in a while, but we have been, you know, we are, what, five races deep now. And yep. what we'll do is, uh, you, why don't you first give me, like, your executive summary of what you thought of the first four races. I mean, this is... Uh, this is a big rule change between 2016 and now. Um, we've seen, obviously, a big import, uh, performance improvement from Ferrari. And so there's been lots and lots of change. And before you start, let me introduce uh, our third member to the show. Uh, Harrison has something to say, but Jamie, go ahead. I thought that was Martin Brundle in the background crying about something. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's a good chance that he's just going to try to touch everything. So you might hear me say no on occasion. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, yep, there he goes already. Harrison, what are you doing? Um, F1 2017, I have really enjoyed and I've actually felt like this has been the rule changes that F1 needed for a long time. Um, I've been fortunate enough to cover F1 since 2012, the end of 2012, but 2012. And um, progressively, the cars have gotten slower. They're obviously a lot less, you know, noisy. Um, 
but they just aren't exciting to watch trackside until these new regulations were introduced this year. And when I was in testing um, in Barcelona, you know, you're out there immediately, like it was immediate to the naked eye, how much faster these cars are. And it's, it's exciting. It's exhilarating to watch them trackside again. Um, it should be exhilarating for fans to go to races again, because you're actually looking at the drivers pushing machines that are doing things that shouldn't be done in a race car. So I've really enjoyed just seeing the, the increase in speed, um, if nothing else. So I agree with you uh, on many parts. I do have to, I do have to jump in and say that, uh, the cars were slower in 2014, but not by much. And they sped up a lot again in 2015 and, uh, actually set a couple of track records in 2015. But that was mainly because of, of top speeds, not cornering speeds, which I will always argue that people are not going to F1 races to see a car do 226 miles an hour down the straight at Monza. They're what they want to see a car do 140 through, you know, Ascari. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to completely disagree with that. Uh, no, I, I, but I'm, I do feel that the 2014 to 2016 era cars got a worse rap than they deserved. And uh, I would have liked to see uh, more developmental progression. Um, but not disagreeing with you, we've seen a huge increase in quartering speed. And I will say the cars – yes, Harrison agrees. Uh, I will say the cars look a lot better too with the wider tires, the lower rear wing. They have a much stronger stance. I don't hate the shark fin either. I I don't I hate the T bar. I don't I don't hate the shark fin. And it's come in handy for putting those stupid numbers on the back of them now. Like I mean it's not wasted space anymore. I think that I think Ferrari did kind of a cool thing with the the retro numbers um, or the retro numbers look for the cars this weekend in Spain. So, you know, it's not the shark fins don't, they don't look terrible in person. You actually forget about it quite quickly, but I can't seem to take my eye off the T-bar when uh, the clothes hanger on the back of the fins. Yeah, the T-bar, you know, it's interesting because it's a little hard to understand how much effect it has as well. I mean, I'm sure it's more than nothing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there, but they're not going to last. They, they'll they be gone in 2018. That's almost certain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I did see something interesting about the shark fin. How um, there was a there was an aerodynamicist. I I saw it on a video or um, somebody was writing about it. But that the cars, if if a driver goes into like a half spin with the the shark fin, it's almost unsavable now. Whereas it would have been savable in years past without the shark fin. And I thought that was interesting because I'm not an aerodynamicist and I didn't understand that until they explained it. Well, I, I can understand. I think, I don't know. I could be totally wrong here, but I think, think about it this way. Once you're going at, at all uh, sideways compared to the intended direction of travel, that that uh, shark fin quickly becomes a sail. 
Yeah, well, it, it, that's what they were saying is that it um, it basically stalls out the side of the wing that's not getting air at that point. So then it just makes the spin worse and makes it unrecoverable. Whereas, like, in years past, if you didn't have a shark fin, the wing would catch your spin and you'd just keep going. I see. Yeah, so it's not so much the direct effect. It's not so much the direct effect of a sail so much as the stalling effect because it's cutting off half the wing. Um, Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's fascinating, and Harrison agrees. <laughs> My take on the cars uh, in testing is definitely into the first couple races was they're definitely faster. They definitely look better. There's definitely a lot more um, motivation from the drivers. Um, you know, there's eagerness in driving these new uh, record-setting cars, but there's also more aero sensitivity. Yep, and so they have a harder time clo- uh, following each other closely. And to yep. me, that's completely antithetical with pure road racing is you want the drivers to be nose to tail, trying each, uh, fighting each other. And oftentimes it seems like once they're within a second from each other that uh, they start losing uh, air over the front wing. That's, and that, that's harder on the tires and they're told to back off. Yep. That I mean, the good news is that Pirelli has then, you know, they've kind of changed the direction with what the tire compound they're making and made them more durable so that they don't degrade quite as quickly, which does help the racing and some DRS um, improvements over the, the last couple seasons. I know in Spain they added 100 meters to the DRS zone on the um, start-finish straight. So, I mean, it, it helps. I'd, I actually would be curious to look at the... The, I guess the numbers for overtakes um, in this particular like past race to see how many overtakes there were in relation to like previous years because I feel like there was actually a decent amount of overtaking. Um, I mean I know there was at least like Vettel had what two, two or three, and there was some there were some other good ones that it wasn't it wasn't a a total like totally stale, boring race that just didn't, didn't have anybody's attention. I felt, I felt like racing this year has been fairly good with the exception of, you know, one race, I guess being Russia, Russia being the worst one. Russia had one official pass. Yeah. That's, that's not good. That's that's not a good number. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to blame that more on Russia than on the cars. I think Monaco could be, could be interesting. It's going to be like it used to be where qualifying, if you, if you're not on pole, you don't really have a chance, but it is Monaco. Like that's the reason Monaco is exciting is you got to finish the race. You're not going to, you're not going to win unless you finish the race and you beat Monaco itself. And these cars are going to be really hard to drive there. So I, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Monaco in a second because I agree with you there. So far, so you you went and you were in Spain actually to uh, shoot um, F one uh, testing preseason testing. Um, yep. Have you gone to any Grand Prix yet? I have not. This has been the first uh, first year in quite a while that I haven't been to a race um, since testing um, for a variety of reasons that. You know, my schedule covering sports car racing didn't really line up with the F1 season. And um, I got married uh, between races and wasn't able to go to the... I wasn't able to go to Bahrain, which... Because I was on my honeymoon, so... 
Well, congratulations. Emily's Thank fantastic. You. And uh, she is. I think I think that is a very good reason. I think I think that just to me that was proof of your uh, success and uh, skills as a photographer that um, for your wedding, you took a month off. You said, I'm not working in April. And I said, wow, I, I wish I could do that. I need to learn how well, to it take wasn't, pictures. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that easy. I, I did do a lot of work in Charlotte, but I didn't do any traveling. So that was, I, I work for a magazine in Charlotte. So I was doing a lot of food photography and a lot of lifestyle photography, but I did not do any traveling. Ah, so okay. that was nice. So your first, uh, your you you've covered. You did. I know the Lamborghini racing series here in the states. Yep. Which I've done uh, ph- photography. The the f- photographically, that is just beautiful racing. I mean, you capture yeah. just some fantastic stuff. Well, we have some great, especially this year. We have some great drivers, and um, I covered the GT3 program as well as the the Super Trofeo series, ah, which okay. runs six times a year. But I also do all the Squadra course of GT3 ah, photography yes. in North America. So. Covering the Daytona 24 hour, the 18 hours of Daytona, 18 hours of rain in Daytona this year. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, Sebring 12 hour, but yeah, it's been, it's been a busy, busy spring, but I'm ready. I mean, it's going to be an insane May, June and July. So I'm looking forward to it. So uh, insane partially because you'll be covering some formula one racing. Yep, I get to go to Monaco on Monday this coming week, and then uh, straight to Montreal a week after that, and then um, I join Toyota for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, That's going to be incredible. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that for you. Me too. It'll be good to see everybody again, because I I know the team really well, and I work alongside their official photographer, so he and I cover the race together and it's just it's a very special atmosphere and a great group of guys and girls it's just a lot of fun yeah yeah well definitely so so okay let's uh tell me what was your what was your favorite race of the season so far um i'm i'm actually gonna say spain i thought it was like it was kind of everything that we wanted it was really the it was the culmination you're, it's just every race that we go or happen to see now, you see this this rivalry getting deeper and deeper with Hamilton and Vettel, and it's it's what we want. It's what we've all wanted, and not not some dramatic crap between Nico and Hamilton. You know, I was tired of that. It was just it was really getting old seeing less racing on track and more like just banter in the pit lane and the garage and just i don't know i was kind of over it yeah no i it, spain was very good i uh i agree with you uh i i thought the cars were getting close to each other much more than i've seen in the first few races i mean after the first couple races jamie i was honestly concerned that this was going to be an exciting race season because ferrari's competitive again but otherwise, it was going to be who made the better pitch strategy, and uh, you know who got who got a good start. Because after With- after after that, it's going to be pretty much if the car's reliable, they're going to stay where they are. But Spain proved that not to be the case. Um, there was a yeah. lot of great passing, and um, 
I really loved it. I do have to say that my favorite win was actually Russia. Seeing a first-time winner anywhere is always special. I, I love that. First-time winner, and the way he did it, he was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Botas's race start in Russia was just – he was determined. There was nothing that was going to stop him. Yep. And I, I love I love seeing a driver win for the first time. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I wasn't in Russia, but I love seeing those raw emotions that you just can't you can't fake that. It'll ne- he'll never be that happy on a podium ever again. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Even even if he wins a championship, I think it would be it would be so different. It's so different. You just can't really um can't really replicate those. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, and I think that he he did it. It was a it was a deserving drive. He didn't just luck into that. You know, he had to work for that. And yep. Hamilton was having an off day, but it wasn't anything physically wrong with the car or anything like that. He was just he just wasn't able to compete. And Botas was on it, and even though um, the Ferraris had better qualifying. Botas just took care of that right at the start and then controlled everything throughout the race. And so it was massively impressive. And you're absolutely right. The first win is huge. And on top of that, Botas has been in Formula One for, I think this is his sixth season or maybe his fifth. You know, he was with, he's had some podiums, but he's never gotten, I think he's always been third, I think is the best he's been. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I was happy to see that. And, um, I'm happy to see that Ferrari is competitive again. I It does seem a little bit too much like the Vettel show, and I'm a huge Raikkonen fan, but, uh, you know, such is life. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't have it all, Robin. I know, but I want it all. That's the thing. I know, I know. Well, I mean, at least I, I'd say so far this year that – from what I've seen and what I've seen on TV, and obviously I haven't been there other than testing, um, that at least it's not just the Mercedes show. If it's yeah. going to be a show, I'd rather it be a two-team show than a one-team show, even though Nico and Hamilton had some great rivalry and some good races and exciting races and catastrophic moments. Um, it's just not, it's not, as, it's not the same as seeing two teams battle it out on track. I love that. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And this season is proving to have a very stout midfield. Uh, very. You know, because Force India is still coming strong. Uh, Williams is still maintaining pace, although they're not really gaining ground. And uh, Renault has come on strong. Nico Hulkenberg's doing very, doing well for Renault. And then, you know, even uh, Toro Rosso, and Sauber and Haas, they're they're pretty strong as well. And Harrison I'm, agrees. I'm, I'm honestly slightly disappointed with the Mercedes form this year because in testing, they looked like they were closer than than they have shown. And you know, I don't I don't know that I agree with bringing Stroll on. Like I I know it's a money thing, and I get it, but. I don't know that I'm I'm in agreement with with the driver lineup they have. I don't know that Massa is 
is really mentoring Stroll as much as he could or can. I don't know. I just, I haven't seen the results from it. Like Stroll brought something like $30 million to the team. I I mean, it's pretty clear why Stroll's there. It's, and, but you know, like when, when Max Verstappen came in last year and everyone was saying, this kid's too young, this kid's too young, he's not ready. It just it just goes to show. Or t- I guess it was was it last year? It was two years ago? Uh, two. Years whenever ago. he came, two years whenever ago. he came into F one, it just goes to show how talented Max Verstappen is. Because there's been other rookies that have made far more mistakes than he has, and he's just shown to be like the class of the field. Already been a w- race, multiple race winner, yep. and um. I just think that's that's amazing. It's amazing for the sport, but it really it puts in it puts in perspective what Verstappen has done when you compare him to what say Lance Stroll has done in you know about like this time last year Verstappen got promoted to Red Bull. This was his right. first race for Red Bull. Right. And he so, won. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah, no Lance Stroll he's he's there for money. That that part's clear. Um he has he has talent theoretically. Yeah, he doesn't suck. He's just I just don't know that this was he he needed some he needed to be a development driver. No, I agree. Before yeah. he was a another race season in GP two at least. I, I yeah. or what are they F two now? Um, yeah. So you're going to be covering Monaco. Monaco is at least on paper and you know from watching on television the most incredible Formula One race on the calendar in many ways, but. It's not – it doesn't sound like it's always wonderful to shoot. Um, I love Monaco no matter what. It does It does get a little harder. If, if it's not bright and sunny and just beautiful, If it, I want it to be either pouring with rain or bright and sunny, not anything in between. If it's going to be cloudy and nasty, I'm not interested. If it's going to be, you know – just gray, like just straight gray. I just, I, that's like just, my worst kind of day. Can't you just change the color balance or the white balance on your lens and fix it? You can't. It Honestly, it's like when the sun isn't shining, it's not a pretty place. It's just doesn't, I don't know that when, when the sun is shining, I'm telling you the watercolor changes when the sun is shining. It's a, the most beautiful blue you've ever seen. When it's when it's just cloudy, it's like looking at out at Lake Norman or in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's not that special. Uh, well, uh, I'll give you I'll give you the same advice I gave you when we shot Camaro Z28. Just go black and white, baby. <laughs> I might. <laughs> it, let's I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping actually for a rainy Monaco. I could I could go for a rainy Monaco. And I think we actually all of the photographers that I was working alongside of last year when um when we when I mean it was pouring pouring rain at the start of the race like they they were they started under safety car last year and when I was walking to um I start I did the start at um what's the corner past casino square um before the hairpin oh god I I know what I visually know which corner you're talking about. I don't remember the name. If I don't remember either. If a, I was if there. a fun with cars listener can uh, send us the name, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, I should know, but I was there for the start. And when I was walking out there, it was 
torrential rain and we were all like this is awesome this is gonna be a great race well and then it, it got even better when the sun came out and it was still raining so i was even, oh because you had all the reflection yeah yeah it was awesome it was really cool but i'm i'm looking forward to it it's a it's a beautiful place i've long said that it's probably the most special race on the f1 calendar there's a lot of people that say it should be off the f1 calendar they're they're wrong they are wrong. They've a never been and probably don't ever watch it, but they also don't appreciate the the history of it and um, how special it is. And it's still there's probably three racetracks in this entire planet that make my hair stand up, and that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Hey, when you're in Monaco, I would love it if you could do me a favor. Um, yes, I would. I just need. I need put a hundred dollars down on blacks. <laughs> okay, two favors. Um, the second one, can you get a few shots of Alonzo for me? Uh, I would yeah, love. I, I just, I just need a couple great close-ups of Alonzo and Monaco. You know, right you against know, the wall, that'd be brilliant. You know, I've heard McLaren's actually running some unheard of newcomer rookie guy. Never heard of him. Uh, something Jensen Button. I don't know. Never heard of him. <laughs> I'm actually. I have to say. Uh, so. Okay, we're going to get into Alonzo running the Indy 500 in a moment here. But I have to say, I'm, I'm quite happy that Jensen is, in fact, going to get another chance in the car. I'm not. I totally disagree with you. Well... I completely disagree with it's you. It's okay, Jamie. You don't have to be right about everything. And, I'm, I, I... <laughs> and it's funny because I was just going to say, Mark Webber is already kind of dissing Button for not taking it seriously enough and not preparing enough. Well, I mean, the car will be, he will be lucky if the car makes it to the starting line. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's not like McLaren's in it for a championship this year. What is he going to get out of it? That's, that's my whole question is like, what does he get out of this? Why wouldn't McLaren put a, I don't know, like bring somebody like anybody, like do a, do a star from V8 supercars or anything. Like bring, (laughs) bring one of the Lamar guys, bring Nick Tandy or I don't know, anybody like there's so many, there's so many drivers and Jensen Button chose to retire. He wanted to retire and he's coming back for Monaco, which is obviously his home race because he lives in Monaco and it's very special. It's a special race, but the McLaren Honda sucks. It is not a competitive race car and and he's only tarnishing his slightly tarnished career again. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty simple, though. He had a contract with McLaren. And, and they said, Jensen, you're in the car. And they said, Jensen, you're in the car. I think, it, I think that's kind of the long and short of it. And yeah. you know, But the real hero here is Fernando Alonso. Yeah, and this, this is what's brilliant about this. This was, if I remember correctly... This was a McLaren move, and the point of it was let's try to do something to get Fernando's mind off of how frustrating this Formula One car is right now. And they put something together, and Fernando Alonso is going to be an Andretti racing driver at the Indianapolis 500. And and that doesn't get any better than that. And Harrison agrees. And Harrison agrees. I mean, it is. It's seriously. It's a coup for IndyCar and Honda because Honda gets, you know, this world-famous driver that's extremely highly regarded in almost every sect. Um, 
every different racing type. They get him in a happier place, and he's in a more competitive car doing something that's exciting and new that he's wanted to do. IndyCar gets the publicity of an active Formula One driver deciding against a Formula One race and not just... The Monaco it, Grand Prix. Exactly. the, the not most, just, It's not just like Sochi. It's Monaco. Yeah, yeah, the crown jewel of the Formula One crown or whatever they say. I think that's just great for IndyCar because IndyCar, when it comes to just pure racing and interest that way, IndyCar's been a great show these past couple years. That's been awesome. Yeah, and they're not getting... I don't think they're getting their deserved publicity. So I think this is a great uh, jump for them. And uh, Harrison just learned that corners of desks are hard. <laughs> yeah. And and you know what also is hard is the uh, the McLaren Honda engine. It just it just can't run. And yeah. I, I don't I don't blame McLaren for wanting to do a one off race uh, for for Alonzo and go to the Indy 500 and do something kind of cool. I don't know. I'm just curious about the driver choice for for Monaco. I think they could have done a lot of things with it. And yeah, I don't know. No, it's a fair I'm... point. That's a fair point. I I think uh, I'm happier just because you know I really like Jensen Button's style, and I know that Jensen is generally pretty strong at Monaco. And uh, yep. you know this is. This is a place where engine power is going to be less important in general than other places. That's true. So it's also a chance for the McLaren to be more competitive. So it's possible. I won't rule out that Jensen Button scores a point. Jensen Button for the win. You heard it here first. (laughs) JP. No, wait, I already said it wrong. JB FTW. There it is. Yep. JBFTW. Yeah. So, okay. So you have Monaco and then Canada and then Lamar. Yep. All right. We're definitely going to want to talk. Um, well, hopefully there's a chance we might see each other in Canada. Um, yep. I actually have plans to be at the Canadian Grand Prix myself, but I don't know whether our paths will cross for long enough time to for me to bust out recording equipment. <laughs> Well, I think we one of us can pull a phone out, and I think we can record something. No, no, find you the time. clearly, Jamie. I have extremely high standards when it comes to recording equipment, and uh, you know, it's just not going to do. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be able to record something without children screaming. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And uh, speaking of which, I do believe it is bedtime for this particular child. Uh, I put him over my shoulder. Uh, Jamie can see this uh, through FaceTime, but no one else. Uh, I put him over my shoulder, and he conked out pretty darn fast. So, Well, what were you doing? Do we need to record this whole thing again? <laughs> no. Harrison added very good points to the, he did. to the whole show. Great, great commentary. <laughs> so, Jamie, uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to put this together with me. And I, I, I feel I'm very happy that... Um, it is happening. We, I am actually recording another show. There were moments where I wasn't sure this was going to work out. So, uh, well, we miss we miss you, Jim. I'm no I'm no replacement. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say Jim is displacement. And, yeah. But uh, no, listen. You know, Jim. Uh, as I talked about earlier, Jim 
Jim has a whole different setup, you know, for I have one kid, he has two. And uh, he's just, he's got a very, very busy life right now. And he's not, he's not out entirely, but he's, he's not making any specific plans. So yeah, that, that's going to be what it is. But I do have, uh, and we'll see if this works out. I, you know, I, again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. I do have someone that is generally agreed to host with me and uh, to help out on occasion um, to co-host when uh, when it works out. And he's English, so it'll be adding a nice, That's a little, nice change. It'll be a nice bit of English flair to the show. Excellent. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah. So anyway, Jamie, uh, thank you so very much. Have a great time in Monaco. And uh, we'll talk then. We'll talk after that. Indeed. We'll talk soon. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jamie and I. I just, I want to take a moment to thank you, all of you, again, for your patience. I understand that there's so many podcasts out there, and the good podcasts are getting better, and it's just, I so deeply appreciate your continued engagement, your patience, and uh, seeing people still write comments on uh, the Fun With Cars Facebook page and uh, still being involved, I just want to uh, just sincerely thank everyone and I really appreciate it. And I do hope that uh, as things progress in 2017 that uh, the Fun With Cars podcast will be something that you guys really look forward to. And that if we do anything, we actually make it better in 2017. So anyway, please continue to uh, visit us on our Facebook page. And uh, you can email me anytime at feedback at funwithcars.com. And also follow us on Twitter and do all the other things that Jim used to tell you to do. Uh, Jim Jim was the guy that would say this part, so I need to practice this part. But uh I just, uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you guys so much for being patient. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye.